And we're back to another episode of the Building Faith Podcast. I'm Richard Goff, and in just a few minutes, I'll be joined by Shane Kohler, teaching pastor at Faith Community Church here in Woodstock, Georgia. We've been away for a few months. I guess you might say we've been on a bit of a summer vacation at the Building Faith Podcast, and our last recording was back in May, and here we are in August of 2020. And what we're going to do today is pick up kind of where we left off. We actually started uh, a series on the doctrine of hope, on biblical hope, and we're going to wrap that up today with another episode, kind of a concluding episode on this important doctrine and this important uh, truth for us as believers, especially in the times that we're in now. And then we'll also have a brief uh, update on our building project toward the end of the, the podcast today. And we're also going to look ahead very briefly to our next uh, podcast series where we're going to dive into some of the issues of social unrest that we've been experiencing here of late. But for now, I invite you to uh, join us for a great discussion on the doctrine of hope. Welcome, everyone, to the Building Faith Podcast. It's good to be back together again after a bit of a summer hiatus. And Shane, as we were together last time, a few months ago, just to kind of get everybody back in sync with, uh, with what we started, we began a short series on hope and more specifically on the biblical doctrine of hope or a biblical understanding of hope. And I couldn't think of a more apropos subject for us to be talking about, particularly in the times that we're going through now with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and social unrest and political unrest and and the like. But last time we were together, uh, we really dove into a biblical understanding of hope, like what is biblical hope, and and really saw the stark contrast between that and a more worldly hope that that many are inclined to to fall into. But there's so many uh, applications of this doctrine as well. And as we think about that going forward today, uh, we're just looking forward to uh, how we're going to wrap this up, this little series on hope. Yes, uh, there's there's lots of issues coming at us, as we know, uh, as a church and uh, as a society. And uh, so many of them drive people to despair, uh, to hopelessness and things like that. So the applications are many. But but we've we've just kind of drilled in to talk about um, you know the issue of hope just in a general way from the scripture and the importance of it uh, as a doctrine and as a, a focus in our Christian life. And we have had a break. Uh, we we took the the social distancing thing maybe a little too far, <laughs> uh, digital <laughs> distancing. But uh, like much of the country, we're trying to get back uh, on a normal schedule, and so we wanted to to follow up that. Well, last time we talked about hope. Uh, in in uh, in the sense of of a, of a contrast between what the world thinks of and what we think of, the world certainly puts hope in um, maybe things that they can see, like their bank accounts or their jobs or their relationships. They kind of settle their hope, or or they they want to at least in the things that are tangible and visible. But the scripture points us in a completely different direction. It tells us that faith is actually the assurance of things that we hope for and the confidence in things that we do not see. So faith and hope, they're working together, but, but the Scripture points us in this direction of certainty 
and confidence in realities that we can't physically see with our eyes. But the net result of it, we might say, is the same. You know, when people see a lot of money in their bank account, they get optimistic or excited or confident or, you know, whatever. But we're to have that same level of assurance, the same level of settled confidence, the same level of peace, um, in, in spite of the fact that we don't visibly see the things that are the basis of our hope. We're not to be despairing yeah. based upon the things that we actually can see, even. Yes, that's a great, that's a good uh, contrast, a, a different way of looking at yeah. it. So, so we as Christians have got to, um, I guess you might say, uh, really distinguish ourselves in terms of where our hope is, uh, how we see hope generated, and clinging to a hope on a daily basis. Uh, you know, all of this is really grounded in promises that come from God. Um, they are about the things of God. They're about the kingdom of God. They're about the righteousness of God. They're about the truth of God. And so that's where, that's where hope is supposed to be pointed. That's where we're supposed to ground our hope and find our hope. And in a very decided way, hope in the scripture is not primarily in the things that we see. We're not really ever it's like encouraged to ground our hope in that. That's not saying that God's goodness isn't alive in our life and we don't see his goodness and his mercies every day, and we see that you know, um, uh, poured out in all kinds of acts of grace. And so we do rejoice in you know, the hope of God's goodness in this life, but that's not the primary place that we're supposed to find our hope. In fact, uh, Romans tells us that hope that is seen is no hope at all. I mean, that's the way they define it. So we're supposed to be sort of uh, setting our hope on, well, Colossians 1 says that our hope is laid up in heaven. That's ultimately where our hope is. So while we certainly live in this world and we have to grapple with the the things of this world, and as you alluded to, the dis- disappointments of this world, as well as the the good things, none of that stuff is ever supposed to be the basis and the ground of our hope. Hmm. And that has an incredible uh leveling effect, hopefully, in your Christian life when you grab hold of that, that you're not, um, you know, so plummeted into the depths of despair or anger or frustration or whatever it might be with the, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the, the challenges, the frustrations, the obstacles, the deprivations and losses of this life. Because ultimately, your hope's not any of that stuff anyway. And so you're prepared for the trials that come your way because they're not ultimately where you are, have centered your hope. And, and this is, this is uh, really difficult for Christians to understand. Now, too many Christians just uh, sort of live their life on the roller coaster of whatever their circumstances are or whatever their personal achievements are, or conversely, whatever their failures and, um, and, uh, you know, and, and deprivations, as I said, they live their life on the roller coaster of that stuff, up and down, up and down, all the time. And the scripture doesn't want us to live that way. 
I mean, it wants us to live what Romans, uh, way what Romans describes it as more than conquerors through him who loved us, mm. knowing that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, neither peril, nor sword, nor life, nor death, nor things you know, in heaven, or things below, things to come, whatever. None of that stuff will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So you wake up tomorrow, and whatever you face, whether it is the loss of a job, loss of a loved one, the loss of a friendship, the loss of some financial you know, security, whatever it is, you face it with the absolute confidence that you're still just as much within the love of God, centered you know, within his unshakable love and his goodness. And that outward temporal thing hasn't changed the reality of his goodness at all. So that's really what we, um, you know, what we as Christians have got to continually remind ourselves of so that we do have all the benefits of what hope provides, joy, confidence, courage, all those things that someone might find in their visible hope in this life, well, we find it in our, in our invisible hope. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he tells us in uh, verse 13 of that same chapter, prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded, and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, that's such an important word. Set your hope completely on that coming hope, uh, not on whatever you think you know, is... Uh, the foundation of your confidence and assurance in this life. And the actual context of that instruction is really important to understand the depth of, of meaning there, it's too. It's trials, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what he's talking about. You know, these, these trials that are coming your way, um, and, you know, he even talks about how these believers to whom he's addressing the letter, he says— the, that, that you have faith in Jesus Christ, who although you have not seen him, yet you believe in him and rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So this is the key. I mean, we, we kind of have already defined what hope is and what hope does, but this is the key, I think, for us as Christians, and, and, and hopefully it's a life-changing key, is to realize that not only do we not hope in the things of this world, God does not want us to hope in the things of this world. And to the point that we begin to hope in the things of this world, we may very well expect God to rip that hope away. Strip him away, yeah. Because the Scripture tells us that our hope is in heaven, and we are to set our hope fully on those things. Or, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So over and over again, the scripture is telling us that we're not supposed to have hope we're, that, that, that in the things that are visible. We're not supposed to have hope in the things of this world. And so we need to really 
begin to apply this in our life, and I think the point of application is in the point of pain, of disappointment, and the point of of pain in um, shame or discouragement or whatever it might be. When you feel that rising in your heart, then you you need to diagnose. You need to diagnose where you have placed your hope. And you need to repent of it. And you need to set your hope fully on the grace that be brought to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what gives you joy, inexpressible, and full of glory. I also think about the testimony of those that we have seen who are in what are, by any measure, discouraging, even potentially despairing circumstances. And yet they're manifesting this eternal hope. They're demonstrating a trust and confidence in who Christ is and God's purposes for their life, both here and in the life to come. And even in the midst of what might the, the world would certainly deem devastating, almost impossible to surmount circumstances, they demonstrate a peace and a calm and a confidence in God. It's not contrived. It's not um, trite. It's not without you know, the emotion of, of dealing with difficulty, but it's real and it's deep and it's profound. And you think about those kinds of observable testimonies and how impactful they are. And so for us as believers to not be um, striving to have that kind of testimony in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, uh, we miss out on the opportunity that God might give us to be a witness uh, for him. So that's one of the joys and the graces of of, uh, of the church and the Christian fellowship is, you know, ho- uh, you, know the, you, you would expect that when you show up every week, you're in a group of people who at, at any given point, uh, one, two, or a number of them are facing some trial. Right. And they wind up being the ones that, you know, even though we may not be in the trial, they're actually the ones who wind up encouraging us right. by, by their testimony. And just that that uh, sort of synergistic relationship amongst the body, constantly encouraging one another by that testimony, by the example that you're talking about, that's what makes Christian fellowship, you know, so, uh, so, so sweet. Yeah. And uh, in maybe maybe it's for another podcast, but um, you know, all the more right now in the circumstances of our society, we need the church. We yeah. need Christian fellowship. We need to be around people who are giving that testimony of hope for us so that we don't fall into despair because we are prone to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that I've, I've, uh, since that in profound ways being, uh, kept apart for a period of time and then being able to come back together and just the richness of that time. Mm. Um, you just, it's, it's not, uh, it's not duplicated in other means. No, I mean, you can have a, you can have a talking head on a screen, you know, teaching the scripture and that's important, but it's not the body. Yeah. It's not the body of Christ. And yeah. we can't over-intellectualize what God intends to do on a Sunday morning. It is relational as yeah. much as it is cognitive. Yeah. it's oh, a good word. Well, so thinking of hope, um, you know, I know that it's been quite a while since we've talked about the building and the project. Um, might be a good time as we wrap this up to uh, provide a little bit of update on that. I know that um, many people have driven by the property, seen a lot of the progress that's been made over the summer. Uh, in fact, we're planning to celebrate um, 
Labor Day on the property, and so people will get to see it up close if they're able to be at that that event. But I do think it's important for us to kind of update folks as much as we can or to the extent that we can at this moment. Um, one of the things that uh, might be a point of potential cause to be reminded of our hope is that uh, we will see another delay after we complete the site work. Um, and and part of that has to do with just the timing of other factors associated with the project. Um, maybe I'll speak a little bit to that um, and just chime in if something comes to mind as I'm talking about it. But um, we have obviously, like I said, made tremendous progress on the property, getting the site ready for the vertical construction phase of the project. and. Um, but it, simultaneously, behind the scenes, we have been working on uh, finishing the design work, and uh, we um, engaged a general contractor recently, and that process has un, uh, begun with working with the contractor on some initial quotes. The quotes are based upon uh, a 80% plan set, and that 80% plan set is uh, intentional to start the quote process there because we know that we're going to need to uh, look at value engineering or cost-saving options. Oftentimes uh, in a process like this, you have um, your design that has a lot more to it than what you're actually going to ultimately do. Um, And that's um, kind of by intent as part of the process. And some of it is artistic, uh, artistic Mm. sort of... uh, (laughs) Um, or architectural um, liberality, if you want to. They're, they're trying to kind of conceive uh, of this as well. But that process is kind of just now beginning in a sense. And so even before we would be able to start any part of the vertical construction process, we would have to get to 100% plan set with construction documents that would be based upon what we yield up as part of our value engineering process toward a final design that we're actually going to build from bottom up, inside out completely. And so there's going to be um, at least some meaningful lull of time between the conclusion and wrap up of the site work that'll probably be completed very soon prior to our September 7th um, Labor Day picnic and that point in time in which we begin the vertical construction process. So I just want to first and foremost say that that don't expect a uh, foundation to be poured, you know, on September 8th, you know, the Monday after the picnic or the Tuesday, I guess September 8th will be a Tuesday after the picnic that there's going to be a little bit of a, a delay. Well, in, in such a sort of minor way, it makes me think of a basement renovation that we did. You know, we kind of had this vision of what we wanted in our basement and, and it begins in just a picture in your mind. And then you meet with a contractor and you kind of talk to him about, this is this is the way we kind of want it to look, and these are some of the finishes and stuff that we're wanting. And then you actually start the process, and and staying, things uh, get ripped down, and then you know put, a, and then you, and then somewhere along the part process, you have a change order. You 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 run into a problem that you didn't anticipate, an engineering problem, a you know material availability problem, or just you just realize when you're putting something together, it didn't quite look the way you wanted it to. I don't know how other people are, but that's the way our basement renovation went. And so you just realize that, you know, in so many contexts, there is this sort of give and take, uh, you know, between 
you know, this is what we want. This is what the budget is that we have. And then you, and then at some point you kind of start feeling the pain mm-hmm. of, are we actually going to do it that way? How much is, you know, it actually going to cost? And there, there has to be reconciliation between those two things along the way. The difference is, you know, my basement, then when we did it was a thousand square feet or whatever. Right. This is a 30,000 square foot building with, with very specialized needs in terms of a worship center. Right. Um, you know, houses, you know, you, those things are, you know, um, they, they build thousands of them every day, but churches are, are, are such unique, uh, kind of things. So all that to say this value engineering process, uh, is going to be a time consuming, um, and, and, and I hate to say kind of a tedious, uh, process. And that's why it's going, it's going to take time, uh, because, you know, to get, the reconciliation that we need between our budget and the building we're actually going to build, you know, you can begin with obviously really big issues. You could try to kind of lop off, you know, maybe, a, you know, some big ticket item, but most of the time it's not going to get you there. Uh, you might, you might get 50% of the way to where you need to be, but then you start having to get through in, into the weeds. And, and that's why it takes so long. And, you know, that's why we're so grateful for the entire team that's dedicating their time to this to get us to where we need to be. And, you know, we might throw in there that we're in the middle of a um, national <laughs> economic crisis. Yeah, that's the other piece that I would I would mention. And at the risk of, um, for some who are listening, who key in on uh, things like this with particular interest and you know, at the risk of maybe raising more questions than we answer at this moment. If you'll just be patient with us as we continue to kind of plod through some of this um, in in the weeks and months ahead, to Shane's point, um, there's definitely been an impact on the uh, financial markets and on uh, uh, lending institutions. And so our current um, scenario with the the bank that we had been working with all along and in relationship with all along for our construction loan. I mean, they're feeling the pinch and they're feeling um, uh, concerns about risk and um, what what they add to their portfolio and what they don't. And so there's been some feedback from the bank at this point that um, is going to put more constraint on us financially than what we had originally planned. Um, and so you know a little bit of a a little bit of a surprise from the standpoint of just the the raw numbers, but not a surprise uh, when you think about what's actually taking place in the larger economy and and what we've been kind of all experiencing and going through over the last uh, number of months and and you know we might add that you know this you know while it certainly is not unfolding certainly as we would have planned it from the beginning that I think I could say that about the entire five years we've been doing this. Uh, we have always built in, uh, tried to build in flexibility to our entire plan so that when we face various obstacles, we have, you know, uh, different avenues, you know, that we can pursue. So all of that is going to be kind of uh, part of what we're wrestling through, you know, in the next uh, several months uh, in terms of the value engineering process. Yeah. And we had we had a, a meeting uh, even just this week where we were discussing this and and really just thinking about about the congregation, about the people, the church, as you were referencing before, and um, and just the 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 fact that we have been able to, especially after a time of not being able to meet together and then meeting together, 
we have been able to kind of have our sense of gratitude and, and appreciation for uh, the grace of God in the body of Christ, um, thinking about um, the people of Faith Community Church and just your faithfulness and um, your con- consistent um, just demonstration of the characteristics of the body of Christ um, has just been so profound and impactful. And so when we think about that in light of this building project, it's such a, a refreshing reminder and a joy for us to think about how um, whether we were on a property on Arnold Mill or whether we were at an elementary school over on Rope Mill Road or whether we're at in a meeting in a gym at Cherokee Christian, that the church continues to function as the church, continues to thrive in fellowship and in worship and in study of God's word. And so we're so grateful for that reality that is not contingent upon um, even the imperfections of our efforts to try to get us through the tape on this building. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's evidence to the fact that there are several who have uh, squarely uh, centered their hope beyond, you know, what's visible. I mean, we all sort of, we, we love successes in everything that we do, but even when you face trials, I think the, the character of the church shines through um, in those trials when their hope isn't, you know, set on a particular time frame, yeah. a particular schedule. We press ahead with our best efforts, but we continue to know that our inheritance, our hope is laid up in heaven. And that's the source of our joy and our confidence and our, you know, our courage uh, as we face the future. Amen to that. Well, I know that um, we'll we'll have more uh, detailed updates uh, in the in the weeks ahead. So this is just a little bit of a kind of a teaser update, I guess you'd say. Definitely more coming on on that front. Um, but also thinking about moving forward with the podcast. Obviously, we're in a season of uh, heightened tension and conflict and questions and and um, uh, things that could, I don't know, be characterized as assaults on our hope or threats to our sense of hope, um, maybe disrupting our eternal hope. And so we're going to kind of take some of those issues up as we move forward in, in the yes, next podcast. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we will certainly look forward to being together again soon.